Get on the winning side next on Light on the Hill. There's going to come a point in time where God wins. He already has won. And the victory that we will find becoming more prominent will solely rest in the work that God chooses to do with his ancestrally chosen people and with us, the Gentiles who have become the church. It's kind of an exciting thing. And I don't know about you, but the more I study Jewish history and the more I study what has gone on with the nation of Israel, I find myself more and more and more in a place of gratitude towards the Jews. I find my love for the Jewish people growing. Now this is coming from first generation, born to parents, born and raised in Egypt. But I find myself loving the Jewish people even more. I have found that peace only comes from you. I have found that joy only comes from you. Cause all I need is From Calvary Chapel, Signal Hill, this is Light on the Hill with Pastor James Cadiz. Today we'll be finishing our study in Zechariah, which is part of our Minor Prophets series. This chapter really reinforces to us that the day of the Lord is coming. Jesus could return at any moment, so we need to be living in light of that. Today, Pastor James will show us why we have every reason in the world to be thankful for the Jewish people. Here he is now in Zechariah chapter 14. And so shall be the plague of the horse, of the mule, of the camel, and of the ass, and all of the beasts that shall be in these tents as this plague, right? This is going to be an equal opportunity destroyer, right? I think that's very uh, important. Verse 16, and it shall come to pass that everyone, notice this, everyone that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of tabernacles. By the way, when you start looking at some of the major feasts that existed prior to the feast of tabernacles, right? Those feasts have been fulfilled, if you really think about it, right? When you um, when you look at the Passover, right? Uh, when you look at Pentecost, when you look at the feasts associated with Yom Kippur, when you look at many of the things drawn into that time, those were all feasts that were celebrated in anticipation. Actually, they were celebrated to commence certain moments that happened in Israel's history, but they also were understood to be something that was an anticipatory mechanism to deploy, to point people to the coming of the Messiah. And when the Messiah came the first time, those feasts were fulfilled, right? Now, the fulfillment of the Feast of Tabernacles centers around the second coming of Christ. Now, a lot of people say, well, does that mean that Christ will rapture the church during the Feast of Tabernacles? A lot of people say that. Some people say, does that mean that the, uh, the commencement of the tribulation will be sometime during the Feast of Tabernacles? Or will the end of the tribulation be at some time during the Feast of Tabernacles? No, not necessarily. I'm not saying that it couldn't be. I'm just saying that it wouldn't necessarily be because no one's going to know the day or the hour. But one thing that is very interesting and should be noted is that when we talk about the Feast of Tabernacles, and I wish I had the time to walk through the intricacies of that feast, right? 
understand that is one that speaks more cohesively about the second coming of Christ as opposed to the first, right? There's a fulfillment in the redemption that the Messiah brings that is celebrated in the Feast of Tabernacles. And I think that that is something that should be uh, noted, right? So we see that. So they are celebrating this, right? So it shall come to pass that whoso will not come up of all the families of the earth unto Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, even upon them that shall be no rain, right? So this is, uh, this is very, very interesting. And if the family of Egypt go not up and some come not, that have no rain, there shall be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite the heathen that come not up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. Kind of sounds like someone ruling with an iron fist a little bit, doesn't it? Right? It, it draws a picture that I think is very important for people to understand. Right? And I've said this before, the Old Testament has established this for us. It was spoken about oftentimes in the New Testament. I oftentimes read the writings of the New Testament authors and think, I wonder what part of the Old Testament they were thinking of when they wrote this, right? Like Philippians is one for me that's been a bit challenging in that I think of the things that the Apostle Paul writes when he writes to the church, uh, the Philippian church, and he says some things that are really interesting. One of the things to me that's very, very interesting, he says that every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I actually think he was thinking about this passage in Zechariah. I think that he was thinking about passages like this that say God is going to hold into account those who refuse to worship the true and living God, right? That God is going to deal with them. And I think it's a, a, a pretty uh, amazing picture that's drawn for us here, right? So it says, This shall be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all nations that come not to keep up the Feast of Tabernacles. By the way, I always thought this was kind of interesting. Why is it that he's specifically naming Egypt? I, mean, I, I think about that a lot, and not because of my heritage or where uh, my mom and my dad were both born and raised. I think he names Egypt specifically because there has always been a special relationship between God and Egypt as it relates to the Jewish people. And I think that God is making it clear that he's going to come for the Egyptians first when they refuse to acknowledge the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, why would I come to that conclusion? For several reasons, right? Number one, you have to go back to the story of Abraham, right? If you remember Abraham, his thought process was, God promised that there would be a nation that comes from me. His wife goes to him doubting and says, well, I'm too old, and it's obvious that this is going to work out. So, you know, Abraham, why don't you sleep with my handmaiden, who happens to be an Egyptian woman, and then that boy will be our boy. And Abraham looks at her and, oh, okay, honey, I'll take one for the team. You know, I'll just do it. Let's go. You know, and he ends up doing that, and he has Ishmael. Now, Ishmael is a descendant of Egypt, who was promised by God to be a nation, to grow as a nation. He was the product of an Egyptian woman being one with an Israeli man. By the way, Abraham, 
his original descendants, we, we don't really know, right? His fathers were worshipers of the sun god, but God made a people through Abraham, right? So I believe that very first moment in history bonded Egypt to Israel. I believe that. Second reason undoubtedly has to go to Joseph, right? God could have used anybody he wanted. God happened to use Joseph being sold into slavery. By the way, ironically, ready to this? He was sold into slavery to Ishmaelite people, right? He was sold into slavery to Ishmaelite mercenaries. Then taken to Egypt as a slave and implemented into his life of slavery in Egypt. God used the mechanical constructs of Egypt's government to create a condition by which Joseph would be called upon by the Pharaoh to interpret a series of dreams and would initiate a process that saved the Jewish people. Think about it for a second. Joseph's brothers are scared at the end of his whole life and think that they're going to kill him. And Joseph makes a very powerful statement in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. What does he say? He says this. It's important. We should note this, right? He says, look, what you did to me, you meant for evil. But God took it and meant it for good. And he begins to describe how God used him to save a whole generation of people. Right? I believe that God mentions Egypt here in this context because God has a special place in his heart for the Egyptians because of the relationship that existed between Abraham and, of course, the existence of his son through his relationship with Hagar. I don't think it was a coincidence that Joseph was sold away to Ishmaelites. I don't think it was a coincidence that he was in slavery in Egypt. And I certainly don't think it's a coincidence that God used the governmental infrastructure in the court of Pharaoh to save all of the Jews. It would have been the end of Israel, by the way. Just understand that. It would have been the end of the Jewish people had Joseph not been in place where he was. I'm also of the persuasion that the famine that took place during that time was a notable attack by the enemy to try to destroy the Jewish people. I don't think it had anything to do with Egyptians. I think it had everything to do with the enemy making yet another attempt to destroy God's ancestrally chosen people. I think it's very important that we note that. So when you talk about him holding Egypt accountable or those in Egypt for failing to worship, God is saying, I don't understand that's a figurative term right i'm just using terminology that we'll understand right i am perplexed by the fact that you continue to remain disloyal to me when my sustaining hand has kept you from the beginning look at all the attacks that the egyptian empire had received look at all the things they'd gone through it is strikingly amazing to think about the fact that egypt still remains intact and so much of Egypt's culture still remains intact. You know, even to this day, if you walk up to an Egyptian person, maybe not me because I have a little bit more self-control, but if you walk up to an Egyptian person and you call them an Arab, they'll punch you right in the face. Because Egyptians are not Arabs. Egyptians existed before the time of Ishmael's birth. Hagar 
the mother of Ishmael, where we know the Arab population came from, was an Egyptian woman, right? So you think about that. God has sustained Egypt even through the many attacks of the Arab uh, cultures and worlds. He's going to hold Egypt accountable. He's going to demand more of Egypt. I, I think it makes a lot of sense. Verse 20, In that day shall there be upon the bells of the horses holiness unto the Lord. In the Lord's house shall be like the bowls before the altar. In other words, there's going to be a mechanism of perpetual sacrifice to the Lord. People are going to be worshiping the Lord. There's going to be a, a demarcation that makes it very clear that God owns it all. That's, that's the picture. Verse 21, Yea, every pot in Jerusalem and in Judah shall be holiness unto the Lord of hosts. In other words, uh, the, the sacrifice represented, right? Uh, a good picture of these pots that we're talking about. There's a lot of stories about this, but Elisha, if you remember when Elisha came in to be, uh, to walk into the calling that God had placed upon him to be a prophet, if you'll remember, he took all of his cattle and he took his livelihood and everything. He killed it all. And he took all the elements and put them in the pot, right? And cooked it all, right? This is the type of pot that we're talking about here. So, Yea, every pot in Jerusalem and in Judah shall be holiness unto the Lord of hosts. And they that sacrifice shall come and take of them and see therein. And in that day there shall be no more the Canaanite in the house of the Lord of hosts. Now people say Canaanite. Canaanites haven't been around, you know, forever. What does that mean, the Canaanite? Well, I looked into this a little bit. And I actually think that the term could probably be better translated merchant, right? So when we talk about Canaanites, we're probably talking about merchants here. And the whole idea is there will no longer be anybody using the temple to commercialize money-making opportunities. You're not going to have what you saw in Christ's day where he had to turn the uh, tables over, right? And get rid of the money changers, that the unique opportunity of business that exists within the infrastructure of religion will no longer be there. The people that will be there will no longer be taken advantage of, and there will be a direct relationship between people and their God. And uh, what a powerful time. Look, folks, I think the best way to put this, and, and like I said, we could spend a lot of time looking at this even more and analyzing it, looking at the, ver the various verses, but one of the most I think powerful ways to look at this is there's going to come a point in time where God wins. He already has one. And the victory that we will find becoming more prominent will solely rest in the work that God chooses to do with his ancestrally chosen people and with us, the Gentiles who have become the church. It's kind of an exciting thing, right? It's kind of an exciting thing. And I don't know about you, but the more I study Jewish history and the more I study what has gone on with the nation of Israel, I find myself more and more and more in a place of gratitude towards the Jews. I find my love for the Jewish people growing. Now, this is coming from first generation, born to parents, born and raised in Egypt. But I find myself loving the Jewish people even more. You go to Israel today, there is a strong lack of consciousness 
especially national consciousness of the Lord, you will find a lot of very angry, very mean, very unwelcoming people on a lot of levels. But they don't have a sort of a lack of reasoning to stand on for why the way they are. They've been hurt. They've been brutalized. They've been suffering. They've been undergoing so much persecution over the years that I think, plain and simple, they have every reason to feel the way that they feel. But yet, I think the more I look at the history of Israel and the more I observe the things that are going on with the nation right now, the more I look at all of these things, the more I begin to realize that the overwhelming majority of the attacks, if not all of them, that are lobbied against Israel are satanically inspired. Because if you think about it, those of us that are believers, those of us that love the Bible, those of us who love the things of God, should be in a place of gratitude for how the people of the nation of Israel preserved all that's wonderful that we have. Do you know that if it wasn't for the Jews, we wouldn't have this amazing Bible that I read to you from every day? If it wasn't for the Jews, I wouldn't have the relationship that I have with Christ. If it wasn't for the Jews, we wouldn't have the life that we live right now filled with peace and filled with joy. If it wasn't for the Jews, there would be so much. Listen, I'm not even going to talk about all of the inventions and uh, technological contributions and all that. If it was not for the Jewish people, we'd literally have an empty life in many ways because God chose to ordain the Jews to be a shining light to the rest of the world. And he used them and will continue to use them to accomplish his purposes. And we should be thankful to those people. We should be thankful for all that God has done for us. I'll tell you a kind of a little uh, funny uh, thing about that is every time I make statements like this, there's a consequence. When I make statements like this online, I lose tons of people that follow. When I make statements like this, all kinds of crazy attacks happen. And I think there's only one reason for that because it's true. Because God has chosen to use his ancestrally chosen people to do something remarkable throughout the tenure of history, human history, and is about to do it again. And that time is coming sooner than later. That's something to be excited about, right? By the way, I do want to say this. I want to say thank you to all of you that continue to have the same heart that I have for Israel. Um, you guys may or may not know this, but we interviewed one of Israel's top diplomats on Monday. It was really awesome talking to Sam. He's a good guy. Um, uh, very, very uh, powerful. He was personally appointed by Bibi Netanyahu to do what he's doing right now. Um, and we had thousands of people that watched us, and I got a, uh, a very sweet note from one of the Israeli officials that basically said, we as the nation of Israel want to personally thank you for doing the show that you did. And they told us that our listeners and our watchers, the totality of them made a substantial difference in the money going to Israel to help save these Jews who are being persecuted all over the world. 
And to that, I would just have to say this to the people watching and the people that chose to uh, make contributions. And based on what they told me, there had to have been some very wealthy businessmen that were watching and did what they did uh, for the kind of money that, that they got and for what happened to come in in the name of the show that we did. But understand this, recognize this. God is going to richly bless you for that. He is. Because these are people that are suffering at the hands of so many all over the world. And what you did to help them on Monday literally has been going to save so many lives. And it's pretty amazing when you, when you think about it. We did the math, by the way, on the amount of people that they rescued over the last two years, uh, Jews, that they have actually brought into Israel to live in Israel. Um, the number, uh, I think it was actually last year, the number last year was 70 uh, 7,000 Jews, something like that, that they helped. And they raised something like $140 million in the last year uh, to do this. But think of how much God has blessed them with how little they have. That means they flew people into Israel, got them settled, got them in a place to live, got them a job, and got them to be a safe and productive member of Jewish society at roughly $2,200 a person. You guys can't buy a plane ticket to Israel right now for $2,200, right? So it's amazing how miraculous God is moving in the midst of everything that's going on with the nation. And what's even cool, just even more spectacular than that is that you guys get to be a part of it, right? You know, when you tithe to the church, part of that's going to help Israel. We're using our resources to help Israel. God's blessing you for that. God's blessing you for educating people and making them aware of how important it is to not just be bystanders, right? There's no way that I could ever thank you enough. And I'm speaking to you guys here. I'm speaking to our online audience, to those listening on the radio. I can't thank you guys enough for the support that you continue and have continued to show and it's all about you choosing to obey God, right? Because when we obey God and we know where things are going, it's easy to do the right thing, isn't it? Right? Easy in that it's easy to have the moral clarity to do the right thing. Not necessarily easy when it comes to the people that tend to want to persecute you for doing the right thing. But God's going to bless you for it, right? And next week, boy, oh boy, oh boy, we're jumping into an awesome book. The last book of the Old Testament. You guys are going to love that. A lot of great challenges that you will find um, in Malachi. I'm kidding. You know who I'm talking about. But you, you will find a lot. I actually had somebody years ago tell me that there's an Italian prophet in the Bible. They did tell me that they actually tried to make a very important case for that, the prophet Malachi. I'm like, oh, my goodness, you really believe this? Yeah, bro, it's right there. Can't you see it? Oh, man. But um, it'll be a blessing. I think you guys are going to love it. Uh, you're going to enjoy it. You'll grow from it. You'll be edified. And uh, you'll learn. A lot, a lot from that, all right? So let's pray. Ask the Lord to go before us as we wrap it up. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this time. And we are indeed grateful, Lord, because you really are good. And uh, Lord, um, you love us with an everlasting love. And we thank you, Lord, for that everlasting love. We thank you for all that you continue to do for us, Lord. The kindness and the love that you show us, Lord. Thank you, Father, that you are faithful to us. And that your demonstration of faithfulness is obvious and it's apparent in all that we do or all that you've done for us, Lord. So go before us, fill us with your spirit, keep us looking to you. 
and excited about the fact that Jesus is coming soon. So Lord, we love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're listening to Light on the Hill and our final study in Zechariah from Pastor James Cadiz. You can hear it again online anytime at lightonthehillradio.com. God is our wonderful provider here at Light on the Hill, and we continually look to him for guidance and provision. If you'd like to stand with us through either a one-time donation or ongoing support, please visit lightonthehillradio.com or give through our Light on the Hill app. There is a lot going on right now in the prophetic realm, and we want to keep you informed. Pastor James releases daily videos at jamescadiz.com addressing the issues of the day from a biblical perspective. Visit jamescadiz.com for more. Pastor James, tomorrow we're going to begin a study through the Bible. It'll take us a little over a month to go from Genesis to Revelation. What are you hoping our listeners will get out of it? Listen, Jane, this is the biggest hope that I have and the hope that I had when I did this series, and that is to grow your general awareness of the Scripture as a whole. When you know the full counsel of God, it better equips you to understand everything in its appropriate context and gives you a better understanding of everything from Bible prophecy to everything that goes with that. Again, we'll take you through each book of the Bible from start to finish, and it all begins tomorrow. Light on the Hill with Pastor James Cadiz is listener supported and brought to you by Calvary Chapel, Signal Hill. I have found that peace only comes from you. I have found that joy only comes from you. Cause all I need is 